better place to end the street in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? When spring is in the air, love is Your lover's hair, your heart is cruel. Moment is just right to lose your heart tonight. When spring is in the air, and you're love. How lovely life it gets when you're in love. How soft the breeze it blows. How quick. The hour goes when spring is in the air and you're in love. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is April. Clemson won the natty and life is good. I'm your host, Nick, and this is our first four-man podcast in quite some time, guys. Go around the horn. How are you doing? Doing good. Glad to be back. We haven't done the four-man pod since last year. It's been maybe a full year Natty since recap. we did it. Yeah, Natty recap. Yeah. It's been a long time. So it's good to have everybody back around the table. Um, I'd like to point out that it is April 13th, 4-13, uh, 2019. Um, on this day, Hunter Renfro gets married. Um, I'm a little disappointed I did not get an invitation. Um, a little butthurt about that, but I'll move on. Cody, how you doing? Great. I don't. I don't really have anything. No canned. fun facts. Yeah, no fun facts. I just want to talk about football. Let's do it. Um, plenty to talk about. We just had a spring game. Uh, the picture of the 2019 team starting to come into view. We still have a number of freshmen still to arrive on campus later on in the year, and some of those names will actually be influential on the depth chart. Um, so we can get into that a little bit. We're looking forward to welcoming to campus and to the team. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got several new data points, guys, to go on. So I thought it'd be good for us to get together and kind of break some of that down. Um, thinking about the 2019 team, um, certainly this, is, this has been our first glimpse at some of the, the new recruits for this year, but also with a lot of the turnover that we've got going into the league and graduation and um, joining of the military and suspensions, um, we'll likely have a lot of other guys stepping up into potential uh, starting roles and hitting the two deep throughout the team. So um, a lot of action going on in, in the world of Clemson. And then, of course, restocking the cupboards for the future um, is, is happening around us with the 2020 class. So a lot of good stuff happening there, too. Um, encourage everyone, if you have not yet done it, check out the interview podcast that we did with Quacking Tiger. Um, we broke down a lot of spring thoughts, but then certainly spent a fair amount of time on the 2020 uh, recruiting class. And some of the, the nuggets from QT there will be really good to review. Um, but guys, I guess taking it all back to... 2019, um, the, bi- the big question I think in everyone's mind is when we look at our schedule, we don't really expect a lot of you know stiff competition from within the ACC this year. We've got that Texas A&M game, but of course that's at home for Clemson. Um, I'm personally expecting a 12-0 regular season run, not expecting too much competition from the coastal side either. So um, I guess I got to ask the question, like, is this 30 and are we looking at a 30-0 Clemson team? I I think it's very possible, um, and a large part of that has to do with the fact that our schedule is so weak next year. I mean, it's 
it's absolutely terrible. I mean, we're a really good football team, obviously, but the competition in the ACC has gone down tremendously. Texas A&M will put up somewhat of a fight, but they're they're not um, the typical maybe strength of an SEC team we play out of conference in years past. South Carolina is, you know, South Carolina. And you mentioned the Coastal. So we don't really get, like, good competition until we get into the playoffs now. And what that means for us as fans is you really – and this is weird to say because I never thought it would be this way, but you really labor throughout the season of just getting through these games that don't really matter and they're not close. I think one thing that really helps is the fact that we play so many guys um, because that keeps your interest level. You start seeing some guys come in the second and third quarters that you really want to see out on the field and, and, and get to play. Um, that's something to look forward to. But even then, by halfway through the season, you've seen them all and we're not playing good competition. So that. That sucks. Yeah, I think that's kind of something that I noticed last year is I paid a lot more attention to who was getting snaps and um, how players were, were fighting within the depth chart because, you know, when we're playing Charlotte or Wofford, those games are not going to be competitive. No one's worried about the outcome. But do you guys think that that kind of hurts Clemson's image for the average fan? Because guys like us, we love watching the game. We're more interested in the team, more invested. But for the average football fan... They don't care what our depth chart looks like. They just look at the final score and don't really want to watch a giant blowout against Wofford. I think that might be true. I think a lot of it does come back to style of play and you know the action you're seeing on the field. And the product that we got this past season and we're going to get this year, at least from an offensive explosiveness standpoint, I mean, that is going to be peak Clemson offense, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, Cody. I think in a way, like anything that's not SEC – and in, in those big matchups, uh, big you know sellout crowds is it does diminish a little bit. But ultimately, when you're if you're playing two games in January and December, I think that makes up for it, and that's what we hope to do again. I I don't buy that. Like I think we say this every year that we're going to just run through our schedule. It's going to be blowouts, 50, 40 point games, and, it, and it, by the way, it was for the most part last year. But I think the the coaching staff like that they, they want to manufacture adversity as much as they can. Partly, you know, they, they rotate players, as you guys mentioned. Um, but also, like Quacking Tiger said this in your interview, Tully, um, the team that was playing against Syracuse, the team that was playing against A&M, was a completely different team than, that would, than was um, in Santa Clara. So I think I think we underestimate how, how much the season is a grind and how, how far the team, as they start out in August or, or September, will have to grow ultimately to win a national championship. But this year will be different in that last year – the reason that team had such a different look at the beginning of the season is because of the quarterback situation. And that's the most critical position on the team that is locked in for this year, barring any sort of injury. So now you have to start looking around other places and the defensive line is one that obviously uh, comes up. And, and that's kind of another thing too, of why, you know, maybe national pundits may have the question, will Clemson be able to rebuild and come back next year? But us as fans, we have a little bit more comfort level with all these guys leaving because we saw their backups play so much and so well last year. And, you know, we know the, the type of guys, and you talk about a guy like Tyler Davis coming in who's getting a huge amount of snaps uh, due to some injuries across the defensive line. So that's great experience. And when the coaches tell you these things about not only their character, but, but how well prepared they are coming out of high school, you believe them because – They've said that before, and those things have come true. Um, I think at this point, outside of the playoffs, our toughest games, our toughest competition is the spring game when we play ourselves. 
Yeah, I mean, I think normally you would see the turnover that we had on defense and, you know, still some question marks in my mind on what we're going to do on third down on offense and say, like, I don't know that a repeat is necessarily something we can expect, um, but I I do think we're going to have the easiest path back to the playoff of any top five, top ten team. Um, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, like, they are all are going to face pretty stiff intra-conference uh, competition on their ends. So that helps. I mean, I think I would say, like, I'd be shocked if we don't have a 28-0 mark heading into December next year. Then it's a question of, yes, to your point, Cody, like, how are guys developing during the season um, to fill, you know, the question marks that we still have on this roster? And then I think you also have to put a good amount of faith in our coaching staff with what they've done and proven in the past of we've had turnover, including on defense. We've 2014 left, 2015 was, didn't take a huge step back, still a top five defense. We lost a lot of guys from that class, you know, continue to rebuild and, and reload and um, find the, the next guys. And there's a lot of talent coming in on defense this year. So I think my larger question is like, what style of opponent could, at least what we know and expect from this year's team, like what style of opponent do we think is going to give Clemson the hardest time in the playoff next year? And for me, that's going to be a, a run a very capable running, rushing offense, uh, and then possibly someone that can generate a pass rush on defense as well. So you're you're basically naming off Georgia and Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, and, and Ohio State. I think because Justin Fields is going to be a dual threat, and I don't know who their running back is, but I'm sure they'll be able to run the ball. And I, I think about that too. And Ben, to your point, you, you talked about like I guess the stability from all the returners on offense, probably more stability in. Um, year over year um, than, than actually last year, probably our weakest position group, which is, I think is our interior defensive line on the whole roster. You can make, an, make a case for tight end, but I'm not going to go there right now. So if that's the weakest position group, I would say that is much stronger than our weakest last year, which was our safeties. And that manifested in that A&M game. So I think we blow through, I shouldn't say blow through. I think we, we will, we will also get to, what did you say? 28 and no, and then, yeah, I do worry a lot about Georgia, a lot about Bama, just because of stylistically like, like what they do. And what I will say to kind of counter that is Alabama, just, you know, from what I know, Tua's back, Jerry Judy's back, um, Ruggs is back, you know, a, a number of their guys on. Yeah, please keep listing all the guys we beat by four touchdowns a few months ago. Certainly. So uh, they're all back. They're, they're going to have a capable passing offense. Um, but I feel better about our secondary this year than, years well, and ultimately it's not i'm sorry sam ultimately it's not the secondary that's gonna stop bama it was the pass rush so these things are interconnected yeah i think the secondary like you said Tully, it looks a lot better this year at least depth wise right we've got a bunch of incoming freshmen we've got a couple more guys with experience who we know we can rely on uh aj terrell is going to be one of the best corners in the country this year uh, it's looking like we've got guys in, in Williams or uh, Darian Kendrick, potentially, who can match up on the other side um, as yeah. well. And Andrew Booth is going to come in. And Booth he, is still yet to come. Starting spot. The safeties yeah. are definitely looking like more depth. Most of that's getting added with incoming freshmen this year and next. But like we, we definitely look like that's not going to be a weakness this year. Yeah, and Cody, to your point, a question I had for QT was, you know, was how does he feel about our ability to generate a pass rush this year? And we all have high hopes for what Xavier Thomas can do. I think maybe the, the holistic, you know, interior of that line, are they also able to provide pressure? Are we going to see double teams on XT? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly will. And, and Jordan Williams, we still don't know what he is yet. Niles Pinkney was a 
a good backup. We don't know. We don't know what he is either as a um, starter. As a starter, yeah. So I mean, I think that's problematic for you know teams with the offensive lines and the types of running backs that that the, that the elite have. This will not be a problem during the regular season. Um, one thing I also think of is like the championship hangover. I think Dabo and, and staff will do a good job of again like manufacturing adversity, talking about you know the chip on your shoulder because. And somewhere in the ether, someone will disrespect you. Like that's that's how things go in 2019, and they'll they'll you know they'll shine a light on that. But I mean, well, well, yeah, in 2017, coming off the 2016 championship, we had Deshaun Watson lead. We had Wayne Gallman, Artavis Scott, like leaders on defense as well. In um, spacing on specific names there, but anyway, we had turnover on the team where it didn't feel like yes, it was a championship defense, but there was enough. It was enough of a new look team that. I don't think they suffered from that hangover. Well, and it's much different in college than it is in the NFL, right? I mean, when you're coming back to majority of the same guys, your best guys for the most part are all still there. Uh, this year, you've got you know all the attrition on defense. Um, you got Mitch Hyatt leaving on offense. You got Hunter Rimpo leaving. Um, so it is a new look team, and, and you replace leadership. I think is the biggest thing, and that helps kind of form uh, the personality, the mentality of the team. So, and you've got like, Hey, let's win two in a row. Can we do that with different guys? Like Clemson hasn't won two in a row before. Um, so that's something to think about, you know, Dabo. And we talked a little bit about this going into the year. What does the coaching staff use as a motivational thing? I think we're past the point of being like little old Clemson getting disrespected. Although I'm anxious to see how Dabo, uh, is able to spin that one again coming up this year, because you know, he will, um, but I don't know. You got to find that other motivating factor. And I think a lot of it is when you give all the young guys so many opportunities for playing time, like those freshmen have something to prove. Ngata, Latson, those guys are going to come in and they are going to want to see the field. I mean, you heard about Justin Ross last year was disappointed after the first few games. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time. Um, that's a real thing. So that motivates these guys. So I think there's something there. Um, I think we got plenty of talent across the roster. I do worry a little bit about the interior defensive line to your point, Cody, but I think once we get through our schedule by the end of the year, that these guys are going to be battle tested. Um, they're going to have enough experience behind them and we're going to have a good sense of what they are. Um, and I think the fact that we're going to be better in the secondary, we're going to have a solid group of linebackers. We're still going to have really good rush ins. Um, it's going to be a solid defense and they're not going to have to hold opponents um, to the same amount of scoring as they did last year because our offense is going to be better. Not that they needed they could have given up more points last year. We still would have won. But um, the offense is going to be better, too. That helps your defense. So, um, I mean, yeah, disappointing if we don't go 28-0. and um, It'll be disappointing to me if, honestly, we don't play in the championship game. I think it'll be an accomplishment to make the playoffs. Of course it is. But I think realistically, as a fan, looking at where we are and where we've been and where we're going, that, yeah, I think it's championship or bust. Yeah, I think that's probably the right approach for this team. But the motivation question is really what's interesting to me because I think you mentioned the freshmen coming in. I think that's going to be more of a motivator for uh, the other guys who are competing for those spots that the freshmen are trying to take than it is going to be motivation for the freshmen because uh, freshmen come into every program every year wanting to get playing time, right? That's always the motivation. They always want to get better and see time on the field. Uh, but the guys like... Um, you know, Kevon Wallace, AJ Terrell, people who should be the leaders on this team that are the most talented, most skilled, can they step up and be leaders of the team or of their, uh, you know, position group or whatever it is? 
and turn that into a unified team that can go and win a national championship. If we just have a bunch of skilled contributors, that's great. We'll make it through the regular season probably just fine, if not undefeated. Uh, but if we don't come together as a squad and have uh, you know, a unified goal where we have three or four or five, six guys that, that really step up and, and lead that message and keep everyone on track like the defensive line guys did last year, uh, there's there's a good chance that you know we get knocked off when we're not expecting to get knocked off. And to that point, you know, Dabo said a couple things uh, in the coverage of the spring game. One was talking about the kinds of people that they recruit, and their goal is not to just recruit good athletes, but good people, uh, which is part of the reason why they don't offer kids early. You know, they want to see these kids get into high school and see what their character is like as well, get to know them, get to know their families. Um, and the other thing he mentioned is he's talking about how the great ones love to be coached and told what they're doing wrong. And those are the type of guys they bring into this program. So I think even though we don't see the leadership yet because there's a new crop of guys rising, um, I think it's inherently built into the group of guys that they recruit and bring onto the team. So it's not a matter um, of when, it's a matter of who. I mean, if you guys had to speculate sort of who you see emerging, let's say on the defense as a leader, taking the place of Cleve Furl, Christian Wilkins, Kendall Joseph, I mean... Is Shaq Smith a guy you could see potentially stepping up and being a vocal leader? I, I, well, I think so. I, I think a guy, I really believe a player needs to be a starter and be a, kind of a star player in order to truly be a leader in, in some sense. So we'll see about Shaq Smith. Uh, I think Sam mentioned it. Kevon Wallace is probably, he's, he's among the, the top guys that would be a, a leader. Um, Xavier Thomas. Muse. Xavier Tanner. Well, they say Tanner, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. I mean, there's a few guys, but like, you know, you talked about like good people, good character. That's true, Ben, but that's not always the same thing as like obsessed about winning. Um, those two things don't always fall in the same direction. So like Ben Bulware talked about his 2016 season, his senior year where they won the championship and how he was spending hours, like always doing the extra mile to watch film um, alongside Brent Minables and how he was always trying to get other guys to, to do the same. And like, that's what, that's what like the leadership is. Like if you're trying to put a, Kind of a value or an action um, into it, it's, as opposed to some like kind of unclear thing that, that happens on, within a squad. Well, yeah, we it, just we don't know which guys are going to be that person. If there are players on this team that are so driven, we assume that there are, and we hear great things about you know the drive of all the players on the team. But you don't know if there's going to be that one or two guys that are going to push others to push themselves. You I know. Think- I think more so now, it, what's interesting is we're in years past, um, we're trying to talk about and paint a picture of how we're going to win. We're kind of to the point now where we're trying to paint a picture of how we would ever lose. Yeah, uh, I mean, the discussion has definitely shifted um, right. because our recruiting has continued to improve and the coaching staff has figured out a system to get everybody snaps during the season. And, you know, we see that progress. I mean, that helps with the progress, Sam. It also helps keep starters fresh. Absolutely. And, you know, really it's a numbers game too. Fewer snaps you're taking, fewer opportunities to get injured. So anyway, yeah. I think um, leadership is an interesting question about this team that we're not going to be able to, you know, see and understand it manifest itself. I imagine the, you know, the beat reporters and all that will be keeping track of kind of what's going on within the players motivating themselves, getting in the weight room during the offseason all of that stuff. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see also, maybe we could spend some time talking about this now, like who are the true freshmen coming in for fall camp 
and where do we see them hitting the pecking order? And like, what does that do kind of to the dynamic of the position groups out there? I mean, for me, the name that stands out the most is going to be Andrew Booth, one of the cornerbacks. Five star, you know, really, really high pedigree. There is a potential open position there, vacated by Ryan Carter, um, moving off the team. No, uh, Mark Fields. Mark Fields. And Trayvon Mullen. And Trayvon Mullen. So, like, yeah, we'll have AJ, AJ Terrell obviously starting, um, but Andrew Booth is definitely going to be in line to not only crack the 2D, but compete for starter. I think he's one of those guys, I think with Darian Kendrick moving over to the defensive side of the ball, which I love. I wish more guys on offense would do that um, because now he's all of a sudden like NFL scouts are going to be watching him. They weren't necessarily watching him at wide receiver. Um, so I love that move. Uh, I think the m- most important player on the defense now becomes uh, Tyler Davis at defensive tackle. And we'll, we'll see about him. He's you know, had rave reviews in, in the spring, but going back to Andrew Booth, like I really like him. And now there's, you're starting to see a lot of death built um, being built up. You guys talked about it with QT. Um, I wonder if one of those guys doesn't move to nickel in more like third down situations. Um, Isaiah Simmons can cover as well as kind of play the Sam linebacker, but it, it'll be interesting to see if, if they start grooming a guy for, for, for the future, because now we have a great depth of cornerback. I can't remember like so much talent at that position. If you, if you think back to like 2015, there was Mac Alexander, uh, Tate Kersley, and then like no one. And that ended up well, and fighting us. Shout out to all the message board haters who complained about it. The, the lack of depth there, and we really started recruiting to fill those roles because of that. I think O line too. Yeah, O line. Look at look at that. You know, Igernet reacts, and uh, so does the coaching staff. I'm, I'm not saying tweet DB... recruits help too. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Is that yeah. is that vindication for the Tigernet folks? They they were right. Look at the coaching staff is listening. They could find vindication in anything. That's probably <laughs> to, true. To be quite honest, that's probably you. true. But I think with McMichael and Mario Goodrich, like those guys, like in previous years, would be we would be happy about them being starters. I think they need a little bit more experience. But to have those as your second line guys, and then Andrew Booth, who yeah, Anthony like, Williams been on the team three years now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of. I mean, we're not we're not cornerback you yet. I think LSU still holds that that title. But I mean, with Fred Davis in the mix, we're making a run at their current recruit Elias Ricks. But but we're so we're jockeying. We're so far ahead as being wide receiver you that we're throwing our wide receivers over to cornerback. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And I go back to, I mean, again, you know, ACC slate. We play North Carolina. We play Texas A&M. We're not really going to see um, elite quarterback competition this year until the playoff. Um, you don't talk bad about Jake Bentley. It, Ryan Finley's gone. Um I don't know. Actually, Bentley may legitimately be the best quarterback yeah. that we play all year. And um, I mean, we didn't really get to see Brown from Boston College last year, but yeah, it probably is Bentley. But anyway, I mean, this is really about gearing up for the playoff, and we're not going to approximate what what two is doing. Although you got Trevor Lawrence in practice, I mean, that's really the best quarterback they're going to face. Yeah, and we've seen Tua um, against an elite team, um, and how that worked out for them. Um, in Georgia as well. Yeah, I think I think really what it is is, or part of it is making it through the season and maintaining focus. Um, that was something that has been hard to do in the past. We tripped up games like Pitt and Syracuse last year, really being the first time where once the quarterback battle got ironed out and we got through the Syracuse game, that it was just full steam ahead at that point and no looking back, and we were just murdering people. 20-point wins throughout. Along the way, and, and part of that is the immense leadership we have from all those guys on the defense coming back and Mitch Hyatt 
um, on the offensive side of the ball, and, and you do miss that. So that is an unknown uh, heading into the season. So how does this team stay focused, and is there a team on the schedule that get that sets us up for a loss because of this, that, or the other? Now, we don't have a lot of trap games this year just because usually those come after a huge win against a really good team, and we lack really good teams that we're playing. Um, so it's almost like the emotion level is just kind of kind of be stagnant or like the same throughout from game to game. And maybe we feel more that more as fans probably than the players do. I think they get up and get motivated. Um, whereas we, especially here on the West Coast, we drag ourselves to the bar at 9 a.m. in the morning to watch us blow out Wake Forest or North Carolina or somebody like that. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time to be so much better than everybody else. And on top of that, your conference sucks. It will be interesting to see the national discourse about this Clemson team. I remember last year people were high on Boston College being an upset, like a sexy upset pick against Clemson. Um, I am curious to see if we sort of get some of the Alabama treatment this year, of like assuming we're going to go undefeated, assuming it, you know the Clemson juggernaut is going to be too difficult for anybody. Like, do we like is that where the dialogue goes nationally? And then, I mean, I actually feel like a Boston College this year. Um, they return AJ Dillon. That actually could be a team that could give this this defense trouble. So defending the run is really what, where I want to pivot this to. Well, luckily we got good linebackers. We're definitely going to go seven seven men in the box. We can do with our strong cornerbacks. Yeah. Whoever steps up, we can go man covered. So that does give us a numbers advantage there. Although Jamie Skowski, I'm I'm really bullish on him. I, I don't know about Shaq Smith or um, Chad Smith, the Smiths, um, but. And but we have some good. I think we have answers there. I think Isaiah Simmons, like he, if you like look at the beginning of the season last year, his upper progression, like he, he was a different player by the time we played Bama. So really bullish on on him as well. So I, I think there's answers at linebacker. The, the issue is can our defensive tackles hold up uh, and and, that, and do the second team defensive tackles? Do we have depth there? Yeah, for sure. That that's going to be basically one of my largest questions heading into the season. I think is what we get from that middle interior D line, especially in. Downs. How many games into next season do you think it's going to take for us to really know what we have and kind of confirm uh, our feeling that it's a foregone conclusion that this team runs at the table during the regular season in the ACC championship I, game? I'm already there, Ben. However, I think it'll just be like, so I'm already convinced that that'll be the case. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. That is in part because of our schedule. Yeah. If we were in the SEC West, what does that look like? Yeah, I certainly don't feel comfortable in saying we're <laughs> going to run the table, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. I guess maybe to rephrase the question, it's more like um, if if you see X, then you're going to feel really confident we can repeat. And I think my answer to that is if we shut A.J. Dillon down, you know, the, the three layers of the defense prove capable in eliminating a rushing attack we're able to generate a pass rush against a really good O-line at Texas A&M, let's say, in week two. And we'll be able to see some evidence during the year of a couple, and that's more on the defensive side. Um, if Clemson has no issues on third down, if we're scoring well in the red zone, um, if we're getting contributions from Jalen Lay at, at the tight end position, um, if slot receiver works itself out, like those things to me are the keys on offense, as well as uh, well, Jackson Carmen. Well, and that's that's the thing. We haven't talked a lot about the offense, but assuming we score at will, which could very well be the case with all the guys we have coming back on offense, but what is the potential weakness on that offense? We do have some turnover in the offensive line, but we do have guys 
Um, there's some position changes, most notably Pollard to center, but he's been on the team for four years. Right? Yeah, there's this tenure is, there. Yeah, his mm -hmm. fourth year in the program. Uh, Carmen keeps his weight down. And obviously, you're going to have to replace Mitch Hyatt, but Jackson Carmen's a five-star kid, you know, larger-than-life type of guy. I think he's up for the task. Um, so, yeah, maybe offensive line, see how some things work out if guys like Bockhorst uh, are able to step up. Um, but still, seeing how they played last year, you feel pretty good about that. Biggest question mark for me on offense is Jackson Carmen at left tackle. Second biggest is going to be Overton in the slot. And what what can he give you on third down? What can three six six guys give you on third down? Yeah, I'm less worried about Overton. I, I know he might not have the same skill set and be able to get open the same way Renfro uh, was able to, but his catch radius is like three times that of, of Renfro. So I don't know. He I don't know. A lot, of diving, balls. a lot of diving catches by Hunter. Okay, that, I'm sorry. Did you see Syracuse. that twisting catch in the Syracuse game? Yeah. Nine. Point taken, Cody. He's My, big. Let me have a hot take. Do for a second. not do not talk back about Hunter Renfro on this the day of his marriage. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So <laughs> hot take that no one talks Hello about. Love you, Hunter. Trevor Lawrence was amazing against Bama. Well, and Notre Dame, and it's it's now a foregone conclusion that he's going to light the earth on fire in 2019. But we forget he had a, he was a freshman. Like he played like a freshman at at a lot of points throughout the season. His his toolkit is like beyond anyone's in college footballs, and that's you can't argue that. But he had his problems in, in the pocket. Sometimes diagnosing certain things, getting uh, finding his check down, uh, running back a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, I don't, I'm not so sure he's just going to be like championship uh, Trevor Lawrence through the whole season. I'm not saying he's not going to be great. I think he'll take a step forward, but I, I think he'll still show some signs of like not quite being NFL caliber first round pick yet. Yeah, and what if what if he doesn't take a step forward and just stays flat, right? And he is still missing some of the longer throws that he did last year and overthrowing some stuff to the outside, having trouble finding his um, release valve on on with, when there's pressure, like sliding too early, sliding too early, not getting those first downs on on the or scrambles. not sliding or not sliding. Fourth what if he gets hurt? Four touchdowns right? in the championship game and you're still like busting through players it's head first. Play, yeah. We've been really lucky with player improvement and our coaching staff is incredible at doing things to help players get better, but there's no guarantee that any player makes a step from season to season. I mean, I, these guys are all so young that usually is the case, but it's not a guarantee. He, I'm willing to bet that Trevor Lawrence is better than he was last year. Just kind of gauging in the last game I saw him play and comparing that to the first game of the year. Um, it looked like NFL caliber. There were people saying that if he entered the draft this year, he'd be the first pick in the draft. Yeah, and that was probably more on like his his tools versus like him being ready. And that's what I'm saying. Does he does he still have some things to work out? He's going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be the first round pick. He'll probably go on to have a, a amazing NFL career. But well, and I don't yeah. want to suggest that he's a big big stage quarterback only. But you know, the that stage brought the best out of him. Are we going to see the same level of sort of Trevor Lawrence God mode against Georgia Tech on a Thursday night? Yes. We hope. We hope. We'll see. We'll see. And to be clear, if he doesn't improve at all from last year, he's still like top two quarterback still, in the still country. The best player in the so, country. And we can win a so national that's championship. Still, that's yeah. still pretty awesome. Yeah. But there's no guarantee that he's going to show marked improvement in, in every area, which I just love. love. I just love how we're trying to engineer losses here. <laughs> I mean, that's what, yeah. It, and Even it, if maybe he doesn't this improve, is, there may not still be any losses. I mean, maybe this is a little bit of a time to take a step back and just gauge, like, where are you guys on fandom of Clemson football? I mean, you know, we're manufacturing ways to see this being a very compelling season for 
us with with challenge and obstacles and that kind of thing where we're not actually obviously seeing those on, on the schedule. Maybe we should talk about what the season looks like if Chase Bryce was the starting quarterback. 15 and 0. Uh, 30 and 0. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know. Going back to the spring game, I thought Chase was the sharper of the two. Absolutely. I mean, um, Trevor Lawrence lost a game. I don't know. We're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Um I, no, yeah. I mean, I, we can do that if you want. Talk about Chase Bryce. I think I, it makes me feel a lot better with than I did in 2017. You know, if Kelly Bryant had gone down, looking at Hunter Johnson or um, spacing Zer- on all the Zarek Cooper, Cooper yeah. um, the guys that we had there, you know, as backup. I feel like we could ride out our schedule with Chase Bryce. You know, hope, hopefully Trevor Lawrence can come back. Hey, Tyson Pumachon looked pretty good too. I was yeah, I, I got I got some um, Pat Mahomes vibes from him. Um, just you know, with with the mobility, some of the off balance throws, really good arm, and the rocket arm. QT called it throwing darts. I mean, Pat Mahomes is in a class of his own, but uh, maybe early stage Pat Mahomes uh, from Tyson Pumachon. So maybe we should talk about what next season looks like if Ben Batson's the quarterback. <laughs> Ugly, still beat South Carolina though. I mean, I was thinking about Tyson Pumachon this morning. He could be your starter in 2023. Like he actually can, you know, redshirt this coming year. Um, he be, won't. The, be the third stringer. If I'm talking about if DJ comes and go throughout the DJ era, DJ gets three years on campus. Um, and Tyson's fourth year will be 2023. No way. I mean, he's not going to redshirt this year. I mean, especially when you have guys coming in like that, you got to get these kids on the field, get them playing time for them to even have a chance to be up to speed. I do point to some type of advantage over the the five star. I point to the Andy Staples wrote a great article on this last year. Like you need the chase prices. You need the guys that, you know, we, we had the other dudes, the other five star, four stars that were trying to compete, you know, trying to get the starting role when they didn't, they transferred and that's all good. Chase Bryce was not going to be that guy. And I'm curious, like is Tyson Pumich on that guy where Gonna stick stick with the program through thick and thin, play his role, and then possibly have a moment or a season where he can be the starter. That's the thing. I mean, and especially if you're the coaches, if you have a guy on the team that's capable of starting most other places in the country, but he's not because you have this phenomenal generational talent ahead of him, and he's like a junior. Yeah, transfer man. Like, go make the most of your college situation and, and have the opportunity to play. It's like the same reason why. I have no ill will against Kelly Bryant leaving the program last year. It's because he was out of eligibility. He had the starter's job taken away from him, and he has one last chance to showcase himself, and he needs that because he's not developed as a, as a polished as a quarterback. So he, if that's what he really wants to do is be an NFL quarterback, then he needs a full year as the starter, and that's why he transferred in all the power to him. So you're, you're suggesting that Pumachan go ahead and head out? Well, like DJ hasn't even committed yet, so let's. Uh, and, and and I think it is there is a possibility that you you give uh, Pumachan some a red shirt outlet, like you keep his usage usage low, so you stay under the four game. Yeah, minimum. I mean, why not? I think I mean he's just raw. He's got to work out some kinks anyway. Right, but we're gonna be so far ahead of people in the third and fourth quarters this year. Chase Bryce will, you know. Yeah. And then you bring Pumachan because you you got to have a third guy ready. Like injuries could happen. I mean, that True. was that's the. That's the thing that we really, when you start talking about trying to engineer losses or whatever, is and we don't talk about injuries a lot because we don't like to, they're unpredictable and we just don't like to assume something happens. But 
the reason you need a great backup quarterback, a good backup quarterback, is for instances like Syracuse last year, where you need a guy who can go in there and be confident enough and know what he's doing and throw a fourth and six pass yeah. um, in a clutch I mean, situation. Chase Bryce um, played a phenomenal game then. ETN won that game. Like We basically need a quarterback that is going to make those two to three plays, right. three to four plays, and you know Chase Bryce won that game also with his legs, but truly it was, and we're lucky, we have a generational running back on the team as well. It been bad since the quarterback yeah. in that situation we win that game? Definitely not. So a number of things Sorry. I want to talk about and moving away from backup quarterbacks. Um, but I will say, I think Bryce is, he, he puts us at a playoff, as a playoff contender. That's But I think our ceiling ends there. Nothing, And I think it looks like he's taking a step, but I, I think ultimately he just, he passes, he gets in a little bit of trouble. And I think that would ultimately come back to, to bite us. Um, one thing I was thinking about is Etienne, can we could like honest, uh, put an honest consideration of where he stands in the Clemson running back hierarchy? It, I mean, it, can he surpass Spiller? And people think of that as like sacrilegious, sacrilegious yeah. to even consider, but I don't think it shouldn't be. The numbers are, are good. The eye test checks out. He's right there, if not. I think he's better than Spiller. Him. I don't think he surpasses Spiller's in terms of legacy just because of what Spiller meant to this program at the time he was with the program. No, that's and fair. he got a lot more touches and carries. He was a much more integral, uh, important part of the offense because we lacked in other areas on offense. We didn't have the, the dynamic quarterback. Um, and what he could do on special teams in the return game is something completely different. And Travis Etienne is just far and away the best Clemson running back that I've laid my eyes on. Um, and I think he's got a great NFL career ahead of him. Um, but, you know, he's going to get 10 carries a game because we got so many other guys. So we keep him fresh. So not to talk about legacy, but if you're just going pure running back, then he is surpassed Spiller. Yeah, I think uh, skill I can, level, he's right there. I, and if he does it again, what he did last year, if he repeats that this year, I think you, you can strongly say that he's a better running back. That's the key point, Sam. I'm not going to say it now, but yeah. if I see the same thing again this year, you have a better campaign. He's going to get Heisman consideration most likely. Yeah. yeah, I think last year the only thing preventing him from getting Heisman consideration was the lack of touches. Yeah. Because had he been getting as many as as um, the guy from Kentucky, uh, who had like thirty carries a game, Travis Etienne would have had hundreds and hundreds of yards more than he got, and it would have been you know when he uh, still broke the school record for touchdowns. Exactly. I, mean, I go back to C.J. Spiller was a more versatile contributor to the offense. The way and you catch a lot the ball of that is necessity. Field. Yeah, it was it was in the passing game, blocking as well, you know, elite. True. And then in the return game too. But that was because we needed him to do those things. And um, so I don't know. You nailed it, Ben, with just the legacy of Spiller, what he meant to elite recruiting, and just establishing a culture at Clemson from '06 to '09. Um, un- unheard of until that point. But I I think actually I was going to go back to uh, just who we keep on the field in the games, how many snaps these guys see. In my mind, there's kind of two paths that could emerge. Number one, Heisman hopefuls, ETN and Trevor Lawrence. Are they staying in games longer to rack up the stats to put them in Manhattan to win the Heisman Trophy? Does the team care? Do they need a Heisman? This is like an open question. Or are we just content to like get our 21-point lead, get get Feaster, um, get Lynn J. Dixon in there, you know, get Chase Bryce his snaps. I, I don't think it'll be like a, a we won't game plan around it, but I, I think as the numbers start to stack up, let me make the case for ETN because I think you can make an maybe an easier case for him than, than Trevor Lawrence. And that's her interior line, um, offensive line is going to be really good, really experienced with some guys like Servinka that are really good in run blocking and Simpson 
and and Simpson, who yeah, like NFL players. Anchored. You said interior. Yeah. So, second thing, our wide receiver blocking on the edge is about as good as it's been. And if you don't block, you're probably not going to play. So we're talking about Justin Ross, T. Higgins is stepping up there. Overton's always been a good. That was a blocker. great thing to see last year as those guys step up and, and start doing it. Made a huge difference on the on the on the edge edges. And then with Trevor Lawrence, I'm not saying that we won't. He won't put on uh, his passing on on display, but I think there'll be games where we'll just kind of we'll call it a game pretty pretty early, and you don't want to put too much on film with the downfield passing, and we didn't do that last year until the championship game. So that's my case for ET, and I don't know if I believe it, but it's I think it's a solid case in my mind. The Heisman will go to a Clemson player. I mean, Tua didn't win the Heisman this past year; it was Kyler Murray. So some people might be like, "Oh, you know, Tua deserves a Heisman." Well. Sean Watson never got one. Um, I think it's going to be a Clemson player. I go back to the 2004-2005 USC teams where it was Reggie Bush one year, Matt Leinert the next. Um, they were both there both years in New York, and both of them walked away with the hardware. I think we're going to see that. So maybe that's our storyline this year. Let's get a Heisman. I mean, that could be the motivation. And I mean, that's not really a team goal in my mind. And, like, honestly, who gives a shit? But... I don't know. So it's, a, I, it's an award. I think I think the Cody, I think the Cody's point uh, about ETN and us not showing a lot of things. Um, I think that has legs. I don't think we're going to be heavy with the four man rotation this year unless Darian Richard gets in there and kind of fills that Adam Choice role. Yeah. Wait, Darian Richard. Richard. Uh, Darian Richard. Richard. Sorry. Yeah. He um, just mar- he just mangled the name. Don't worry about it. But I, <laughs> I said Darian Richard. Yeah, but you talk funny. Root or row row row. Um, so. Um, so we'll see when it comes to that. I do think Trevor Lawrence, uh, to make the case for him, even if he only plays a half, that he will be able to accumulate enough stats in that half and look good enough doing it that he'll get consideration. I do wonder if, uh, the staff does kind of like they did with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence last year, where we let Trevor go out for three series. If he puts up two scores on a 14 point lead, let's bring Chase Bryce out to get some first team reps on the, on the fourth series. Does that happen? Um, I do think they will probably reward Chase Bryce with a lot more playing time this year. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact with we are going to be pretty far ahead in games. So uh, but that being said, like I still think Trevor Lawrence to be able to, to put up the points. I'm, I'm just more concerned about ETN in the running game because we spread it around so much, but maybe he starts to do more out of the backfield and stuff like that. I mean, we know he's there. If he, if he puts up in limited playing time, like eight runs over 50 yards or something like that, those stats alone in the, in the eye test or Get him to New York. He was doing that last year and didn't get the, the run or the burn to get to New York. I mean, I, I think we all know the Heisman is not just a single season award. Trevor Lawrence, you know, wowed everybody. And I think there's that name recognition. Like, it's going to be pretty tough to keep him out of, out of the Heisman finalist race at this point. Like, even if his stats are not exactly right there with Tua. Yeah. A lot of it's um, about the narrative. I think he's got to prove it a lot more. And I think that's what you're saying, Ben. Yeah, because he's not as much of a household name as Trevor Lawrence is, even though he's. I mean, he only scores running back. He only scores three touchdowns in the natty. No big deal. Step it up, Travis. I mean, come on, on. everybody was. Where's the fourth and fifth? Okay, one other narrative, um, because that'll be that'll be interesting. The Heisman race. Will our defense be top ten? And I I think we always. I I think you and I talked about it last year, Ben. When we came into the season, we we said our like. Our numbers that we need to be a top 15 offense in order to win the championship. Sure enough, I think we were top 10 ultimately. I can't remember where we were S&P, but the 
the product on the field against Bama was definitely a top five defense, top five offense. Absolutely. So where does our defense need to be? And and even though I wasn't completely sold on top ten and then being really good, I, I think I'm pretty sold now. Um, when I see the, the the depth and the cornerbacks and the safeties, the overall secondary, I'm pre- I'm feeling pretty good. It'll be a top ten, maybe top five defense. Well, and again, that has a lot to do with the quality of your competition. Um, when they have crappy offenses, that makes your defense look better as well. So, I know the numbers and the metrics kind of take into account your strength of schedule and everything, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, the, I mean, the opponent adjusted rankings of SP. I mean, they, I mean, they try to account for it, but it, you, it's hard to account for what would you be against Bama. Like, it's hard to predict right. that. Well, and they mentioned it over and over again in the spring game is that the toughest test that our defenses face is going up against our offense in practice. Yeah, I mean, the offense is clearly going to be one of the top in the country, if not the top by a mile. Uh, there's a good chance that we are the best offense in the country. Defensively, we've clearly lost a lot of leadership and a lot of depth, uh, especially on the defensive line. Uh, we already talked about the the secondary play, though. We we think it's going to be better than last year, and you know, so there's a chance that this team is almost as good. I don't think there's a, a good chance that they're better than last year, um, but there's a chance that they're almost as good. Um, so it's still going to be an extremely strong defense. So let's let's talk about that for a second because we're we're setting a standard that we're holding this 2019 team to. So I want to ask the question: Was the 2018 team the best we've ever seen? Yes, best college football team of all time, 15 and 0. I guess my my comment on that Ben is: Do we need to see the 2019 team be better than that team to repeat? And my answer to that is: We won't. Right, we I can want- repeat without exceeding the standard of last year yeah because we don't need to win by four touchdowns right you can win by one touchdown you can win by one point and will alabama be as good as they were this last year they lose a lot on their defense well i think that's an interesting storyline how does Bama kind of bounce back from that humiliating loss i mean they don't experience a lot of those um yeah and normally you would say oh man they're gonna you know have the fire to come back and like redeem themselves but um a lot of turmoil over there actually and Certainly a ton of turnover on the coaching side, but you're seeing a lot of guys defect to the league early. They'd usually bring guys back for the most part. Um, so we'll see if they can continue to keep uh, the culture intact there as much as they have. So if we're saying the 2018 team was the best team ever, how long is that going to hold? I mean, it's really more a question of how does it get better, right? The only, the only way that it gets better is margin of victory because this was a team with two potential Heisman candidates who kind of canceled each other out that we just talked about. It was the best defense we've seen in a really long time. The offense was incredible overall uh, with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores contributing across the board. Like, how does it get better? You just win games by bigger margins. There's not really anything else that can be improved. I looked at 2020 and Trevor Lawrence's last year um, and just combined with all the immense talent that we have on the team going to have on the team that 23 recruiting class is going to be fire it already is um so i I, I question this because like every for the past four years or whatever we're like man that's the best Clemson team we've ever seen the next year's like man that's the best Clemson team we've ever seen and it just keeps getting better and um i'm wondering like when is when are we coming back down to earth i think well i i think for one we need to stop and just cherish 2018 and like sam said i don't know if it does get better i don't know if it matters even was it and was it the best college football team of all time? I don't know. Reasonable minds can can defer, but I I think it was definitely the best Clemson team. It was better than sixteen. Um, we're headed. We're in a trajectory where we can get to that level. 
I think there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we as fans can't can't know. But again, that goes back to leadership. So can we, talent level get close to 18? Probably might even surpass that that level. But I don't. I don't. Ultimately, I don't know if it gets that good. Uh, yeah, and I like where you're going with that, Ben. For me, I think it's going to end up being about a cumulative effect, and we're looking to add our, you know, our third ring in this era, our fourth overall. Like, Five rings. Can we go two in a row? Can we three P? Can we go three out of five? Can we go, you know, can Dabo start to accumulate somewhere? He's right there with Nick Saban does over it, time. Does it get as good as beating Alabama by four touchdowns in the championship game? I mean, for me, I got a bigger high out of the Hunter Renfro catch to win the title than I did an ass whooping of Bama here and I was in the stadium for this one. That said, Man, that was amazing. Two very like, different scenarios two different, because yeah. you're sitting in the first half and you're like, oh, man, we're going to kill him. <laughs> well, it was close in the first quarter. And second quarter went all our way. But, it, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I was like, all right, the first two series of the second half is going to reveal the rest of the game. Right. And um, I did not predict that Bama would put up a goose egg in the second half. Right. I did not feel that coming into halftime of that game. But that's what we saw in some things broke Clemson's way, like third down for sure. Yeah. We imposed our and will, but anyway. if you're thinking like, oh, we're four touchdowns better than Bama, and that in your setting, kind of your baseline of what these teams are, like, no, we were not four touchdowns better. Like, we might have been a touchdown better. Scoreboard quoting. So I guess yeah. my, my point. That's a really good Bama team, but I think to your point, so you said teams will fall off a little bit. We don't have to be as good. I agree. I think yeah. Bama will take it. I wonder about two actually in his. I don't want to say fragility, Psyche. but he's just smaller. And if he gets injured, and I think he was playing through injuries, he didn't look good, and it hurt his draft stock. So I wonder if that starts to come into his head the moment he he gets, you know, a little XT bruised up. up on. Yeah. yeah, and I, well, I mean, throughout the course of the SEC season, that is something that Clemson doesn't have to deal with, which is much stronger opponents and actual pass rushes. Yeah. Well, maybe to kind of tie us back to an earlier question that got us on this uh, this whole conversation, thirty and zero is in our sights. I think. We can all agree with that. Um, there's open questions. We touched on some of those. It will be interesting to see in fall camp and um, throughout the start of the year where we go. But just to put maybe the streak into context, um, some of the more recent win streaks that I think are going to be compelling that we'll be talking about if we can survive the regular season. Um, Clemson ended a 26-game Alabama winning streak when we won, when we won the Natty um, in 2016. Florida State had a 29-game win streak end um, by Oregon in the Rose Bowl years ago in the CFP. And then in recent era, um, Miami had a 34-game win streak. So we would need to win the Natty and then win the first five games of the next season. And so that's where I was going to go with that. And I think, Cody, when you ask, like, or maybe Sammy asks, what is the next thing? What is better than that? How do you gauge that? I think it's not best team ever anymore. It's, it's not a single season, right? Best yes. dynasty yeah. ever yeah. Yep. over a group of years. And I still think that Clemson has to win one more within the next three years to be considered a dynasty. I don't think two in that span of time um, really gets you there that yet. I think you're disrespecting everything that Alabama's done over the past decade. Um, but I certainly think if we win one within the next three years, you start talking about dynasty. Um, and that, that kind of cements us. I'll, I'll say it. We're a dynasty right now. I mean... Look at what we've done in our conference. I think history will have to tell that. Yeah, like all-time best team dynasties, like Clemson's not there yet. Okay, but we're, I think, a, we're a dynasty within the ACC. Absolutely. That's not like, saying much. Yeah, potentially. I mean, Florida State, and Florida State has set the standard. I forget the number of seasons in which they they, they have a, just an incredibly impressive top 10 streak. 
there, ending the ending the year top ten. That um we still had a lot of work to do to to do that for longevity. Uh, but no, you're definitely right. Like to be considered all time, I think that is like a standard the coaching staff can hold to. And one comment I had with QT in our conversation was like, if you're our assistant coaches and we have these best ever, you know, let's say we get the number one recruiting class this year to come in, how quickly are they going to be to jump ship from Clemson? Seeing seeing the players they brought in, having the opportunity to have like you know an all time be part of an all time dynasty, are they going to jump ship and go coach you know UCF or Wake Forest or like is it really worth it to go to like a low tier Power Five head coaching job? Or do you just want to ride this thing out and be, be legends, to use the fire festival well, uh, phrase? There's a reason why guys like Venables and Elliot and Scott haven't left yet. Um, and a lot of that was evident when watching the spring game and the pageantry of all that and just the immense family ap- atmosphere that Clemson has built. Um, yeah, why would you leave for Wake Forest? Like, your ceiling there is only so high. Um, Not going to get the talent. Exactly, and it's just not going to improve your value, right? Your your perceived value. So why would you leave Clemson? Everything is good now. If a big name school like a legendary school comes knocking on your door, like a Texas or something like that, hell yeah, you leave. And like they back go, up the Brinks truck, right? Yeah, yeah you. I mean, go lead a program like that. I I look back to Florida State back in their heyday, and you had Mark Richt, and he left there to go to Georgia. Like that is the type of move for a Jeff Scott or a. Elliot, that and that job's gonna be open within the next two years. You think Kirby's out? Oh, you mean Florida State? Florida State. Oh yeah, yeah. certainly. But uh, I was talking more like you know an offensive coordinator at FSU that that did well during you know championship runs for them. Basically, Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott can continue to ride the Clemson wave upward and then find themselves candidates for those like upper crust jobs i'll call it now i think the biggest threat to clemson's uh, dynasty is elliot or scott going over to coach fsu in the next two years which puts them in the state of florida we know how good they are at recruiting um don't don't underestimate that those guys have been groomed they've grown up under Dabo. they've exceeded they've excelled they get better every single year they're a big reason why all these talented kids come to the school and they'll go to another program and florida state has resources georgia tech didn't want to bring on Elliot. I'm, I'm not so sure that Florida State, who thinks, at least in their own minds, that they're a blue blood, and I think, well, they are. Um, they might think that they're settling for something if they're taking a co-offensive coordinator. They just so, hired Willie Taggart. Who was a head coach at Oregon. Was he any good? That doesn't matter. The point being, when you get to that stratosphere of thinking you're amazing, and, and Florida State historically what is amazing, you don't hire co-offensive coordinators. Like I kind of think their their ceiling for a head coaching opportunity is a little bit capped. It's not to say that they're not worthy of that job. It's just to say that like maybe the Georgia Tech would be their next progression or their next move. And I think it, it bodes well for Clemson. That's going to be a hard move for either one of them. But luckily, when one of them leaves, I think one of them will probably stay, and there'll be some continuity there. Yeah, I I don't think they'll actually want to go to a job like Georgia Tech. I think they're going to want a bigger leap than that. Um, and I think the opportunity will present itself at some point. Uh, Hopefully for Clemson fans, that takes a couple of years. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, a, a better program than Georgia Tech, at least current, as currently constituted, uh, is going to offer one of these guys a job at some point down the line. Uh, and I, they're going to take it. I think Elliott would have gone to Georgia Tech. That's uh, fertile recruiting grounds. I mean, it's it's a good program historically. They're just in a, in a bit of a yeah, dip I, lately. I think we probably, 
I think the shine comes off of Georgia Tech a little bit just because they've been running the triple option for the last yeah. 10, 15 years. Yeah, but, you know, a, a caliber school like a Missouri or a Kentucky or, you know, I guess what you're saying, Cody, is that's probably the ceiling to which they can aspire to get their first head coaching job, not a Tennessee or a Texas or a, I mean, they're not going to go to the Pac-12 probably, but, you know, a team like UCLA, for instance, like, would they all take a shot on one of those two guys? Possibly. I think they should. Fortunately for us, I don't think they will. It's not like they're making great coaching hires as it is. Right. So why not take, you know, proven commodities, like huge instrumental pieces of Clemson's rise, um, take away our recruiter. Or not. Jeff Scott. Or not. You guys just go get other people and leave us. <laughs> yeah. Leave us be. Yeah. Well, here's a here's a bigger point. You're t- we're talking about the coaching turnover. I think Dabo has built such a, a great infrastructure there that I'm not going to say it's plug and play, bring in a, another great offensive coordinator, but bring in someone that's talented and I think just like Venables was able to manifest his talents that he wasn't even able to do fully at Oklahoma, and now he's the best coordinator on either side of the ball, probably in the country. In the history I'm of not the world. That, as long as we don't lose like Alabama, all the coaches like wholesale one one offseason, I think we're good to lose a guy here and there and replace him with, by the way, we're going to be in high demand. You're going to get to sit down with almost any offensive coordinator in the country, being Clemson, where they, where, where they sit now. So I'm not that worried about coaching turnover as long as Dabo is – is in charge. Well, I want to maybe take it back a look quickly to the spring game and we can wrap. Um, the All eyes are on Clemson and the brand of this program, the brand of the pod has never been larger. Just look at what ESPN rolled out for our spring game. They had Kirk Herbstreet, Joey Galloway, and Mar- Marty Smith. Smith. Marty Smith. Yep. Uh, redneck Ryan Seacrest is what I call him. <laughs> he was, uh, they, they all came and they brought, they brought in, you know, the ESPN know white glove treatment and Dabo was there you know not just being like cheerleader Dabo he was X's and O's Dabo yeah and just to showcase that um they we showcased former players that came through Vic Beasley and Mike Williams were kind of co-assistant coaches for the orange and white staffs um showed the family atmosphere you talked about pageantry Ben um you know what a great display for recruits for elevating the brand holistically well, and having so many top recruits there, like not uncommitted guys. And then you had a couple commitments. Yeah. And you had true freshmen showing out all day yeah. um, on both sides, like both for the orange and the white on offense and defense. So, um, you know, life is good. That's our tagline to start our shows. It truly is. Um, we got to enjoy it. Cody, you made that point. Let's cherish where we are. But, uh, I think, you know, to also channel Dabo, the best is yet to come because we, because of the talent we're bringing in. Yeah, and yeah, so I mentioned the pageantry of all. You cannot buy publicity like that. It was such a great showcase for, for Clemson football. And just think, like, what was it, five years ago, four years ago, we had Shaky Cam Guy in no, the West. It wasn't, yeah, we weren't broadcast. Yeah, we weren't broadcast <laughs> while they were doing renovations to the press boxes and everything at uh, Memorial Stadium. Um, so just so far removed from that and where we've come. And then. So there's that, and then just reinforcing the family atmosphere. You're seeing all the former players, the guys from last year out there, like Christian Wilkins talking about what it means to be like a fan for a day, like he's never had that experience before. Um, that was just really cool. You saw Dexter Lawrence in offensive huddles. You had Austin Bryant um, talking about he knows that you know they're gonna for, we'll forget them uh, in a couple of years, and like no Austin, we're not gonna forget you, and it's our fault if we do. Um, but just seeing all those guys out there and having Mike Williams talk about 
what it means to be a wide receiver coming to Clemson and why we've been so good and become wide receiver years. Just cool to see all that stuff. And those guys building up the program is just as equally big for the brand. I think one thing is what spring games are now has, has been just changed forever. And, and, and you see it, you see it with like Georgia, they, they like try to go for the sellout. We're, we're pushing more for like a, a closer to full attendance. And now Dabo just did something completely different. And like we're, we're, we're blazing the trail. I think I mean, what's funny is as he's emceeing essentially the, the broadcast, now other coaches are going to try to do that too. And they're not going to be as natural yeah. and it's going to be really, it's going to be fun to watch and, and one like thing, imagine Saban doing that, right? One thing I want to commend Oklahoma on, they did theirs last night, Friday night. A Friday night night game, they brought 50,000 people. I forget why, but they had to reschedule their game and they moved it to a night slot. But I think that's a great idea. Um, show recruits under the under the bright lights of Death Valley. Uh, why not have it Saturday night? Reapproximate that atmosphere. Yeah, but a sunny day in the spring in Death Valley is just uh, It's special. Yeah. Night game, though. I like the day games. Whatever, it's working. Yeah, it's all good. Um, guys, what what are we going to talk about between now and August? What's our recording repertoire? What can people expect? So uh, Sam and I will continue on with some baseball stuff. Um, more irregular check-ins, probably like once every two weeks or as uh, circumstances um, require it. Uh, basketball probably done for unless we find out Brad Brownell is getting fired, but that's not going to happen at this point, I don't suspect. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Tully, you do some interviews. We'll probably yeah. get back on football hardcore starting end of July is usually our schedule. Yeah. Um, but if something comes up in the meantime or we feel inspired to do it, we'll get on here. Maybe Cody and I will commit to doing a mailbag show. Um, we'll put feelers out for people to send in questions and topics for us to dive into. We've done that in the past. Yeah, that, that was in July last year, I believe. See, I'm really interested. I, I feel I, I I think of the contenders this year. Uh, we mentioned uh, we mentioned them: Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. And I really don't know if there's anyone outside of that group, and, and of course us. So I, I think I want to look at all of those teams. That's a huge point. That's of a good for point. Me. Maybe that's something that we should do this year that we haven't really done in years past. Is we talk about how good we are. We need to figure out where the competition is coming from, um, and maybe just get a little bit more knowledgeable about those teams and who could threaten us in a playoff situation or if there's a, a, a sleeper in the ACC. I mean, we always do that to some extent. We're just not as knowledgeable as we'd like to be, but uh, I, I want to dive into like Alabama's depth chart. I want to see Georgia and, and Ohio state, how much, I don't know how much talent they retained. That'll be helping Justin Fields. So that, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. We can all take a team and then come back and argue our points for that team. Guys, there's this thing called the internet and uh, other people write about other teams. So we should, Start reading it. You'll have to send me a, a link or an email. Let's just read them out, line, or out loud on the air. And then we just kind of killed two birds with one stone. Sounds good. Um, well, thanks everyone for tuning in. You know where to find us because you found us and you're listening and you've made it this far, so we appreciate that. But welcome engagement on our Facebook channel. On Twitter, we're at Clemson Podcast. Got a question, got a comment, email us, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks always for tuning in and spreading the word. If you've not yet done it, we encourage you to leave a five-star iTunes review. Um, those help us out a lot when people are looking for Clemson content. Bubble up to the top. We appreciate that. Um, quick shout-out, Ellis Tolbert. He has a podcast. He started 4th and 16. That's good stuff. You guys should listen to that. Great name. That's right. He actually crowdsourced that name on Twitter. So uh, shout-out to Ellis. He's doing great work over there. Welcome. Kind of having more voices from the Clemson fan community out there. It's always good stuff. 
Um, there's no shortage of demand for hearing about our team. So uh, thanks again, everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you, fellas, for um, making it. we got to do a four-man show again here soon. And with that, go Tigers. Thank you.